Well, hi everybody. Welcome to this week's episode, and um, I have a guest this week, and partly strategic, but partly to do with uh, the fact that um, I moved house this week, and also in the middle of uh, sorting up Wi-Fi in my new place and uh, sorting broadband, and at the same time. Um, juggling this and being budgeting for my next feature film which I will kick off in shooting uh, three or four weeks time and uh, we'll have a break over Christmas and kick off again in January. Um, we're over 20 episodes now and uh, so I thought I'd have the opportunity just to talk directly to you and um, maybe go through some of the stuff that we've talked about and perhaps um, um, one of the ways that I will do that is just elaborate a little bit on how this year's gone and how, maybe if I talk briefly about it, it'll help. Um, it'll be part of the summary of my first 20 episodes of Stunt Struck, uh, Ordinary People Doing Extraordinary Things. Um, a bit of a wind back. So uh, I've been stunt coordinator, for those of you who don't know me, for... A good part of 20 years. I have been in the business for about um, 27 plus years and I guess the first seven years of my career as a stuntman I I called myself a stuntman but I was actually working as a part-time outdoor pursuits instructor and also also working for a friend of mine who was also a mentor uh, been a sales rep for him and um, after seven years of trying to do too many things and neither all that well, I decided that I would throw all my eggs into the stunt department, and uh, which I've never really looked back on, except for the odd times that I haven't been working on jobs and kind of wish I'd made another call. Um, and so the... So for the past 20 or so years, I've worked as a coordinator and uh, and also as a stunt performer and also as a rigger. I was always motivated towards coordinating and um, I guess that's just something about it that, um, that seemed like the natural way I wanted to go. I was very much devoted to rigging as well. I really loved the challenges and the creativity of rigging, but I... I really wanted to be in a position where I had uh, creative, uh, for the term, better word, uh, control of the creative input. And I also really want to have a, a stronger input in having and influencing, if I can, the director's vision for the storytelling. And so that was one of the reasons I really wanted to coordinate. And also, it uh, to me, it represented the highest, um, um, I guess, place you could go as a stuntman to be in a position where you can uh, get other people to come and work for you and also to encourage them to do the stunts, come up with great stunt ideas and a whole lot of things that make stunt uh, coordinating fun and enjoyable in this day and age. Uh, with that as well as seeking in the directing, which is a natural uh, progression from being a stunt coordinator, I have uh, worked as a second in directing over the years. Uh, not every job presents itself for that. Um, 
and also I've also been able to work um, under some other second unit directors over the years who I really admire, people like Jack Gould, George Marshall Ruge, um, John Mahaffey, and um, who are well-established action um, um, uh, movie directors, um, Simon Crane, etc. Uh, yeah, so it's um, it's been neat to be able to be in a position where you can work as a coordinator or work as a performer and and work with some of these um, well-known people in the business. One of the things that happened when I was in the industry for about um, 10 years, I'd been asked to coordinate several shows, maybe not so much 10 years, about seven, seven years, maybe eight years, 10 years, doesn't matter. For a few years, I was um, um, living in, here in New Zealand. What, what I found happened was that it's easy to become a very big fish in a very small pond. What that meant was um, the industry, when it grew, there was only so many stunt coordinators around. And I, I became a, a veteran very quickly. And as soon as new people came to the business, uh, by default, um, those of you who, those of us who had uh, the acumen to be uh, coordinators, or leadership uh, qualities, uh, were often uh, coordinating roles. I was fortunate enough to, at that stage, having done a couple of small feature films to find myself on the set of Lord of the Rings in which I was given probably the most important job in my career and that was coordinating the two pickups for uh, the two towers and Return of the King. Um, the success of those movies um, paid um, dividends in terms of um, I was a go-to person for overseas production coming to New Zealand. Now that didn't happen straight away, it took a number of years um, and also a lot of the people uh, went overseas um, using the momentum gained from Lord of the Rings to go and pursue their career further in Australia and the UK or America. Uh, I was lucky enough to get the benefits out of living in New Zealand and working on some of the biggest shows that came. And one of the ones that happened around that time for me was a show called The Water Horse. Uh, the Warrior's Way and River Queen and uh, Without a Paddle was one in the early days as well. So I was really fortunate to have some of these bigger studio jobs arrive and um, and I was at the helm. And the person who was my 2IC during that time is a uh, stunt coordinator. Uh, well respected stunt coordinator who was working as my 2IC. His name is Tim Wong. And uh, Tim is currently working overseas in Australia right now and in time I will have him on as a guest on my show and um, he's probably one guy that um, has able to probably see more of me in my best days and probably my worst days as a stunty. So I'm looking forward to having him as a guest and he'll probably tell you things that I probably think twice about saying but anyway an open book here. So, um, just to take you back to Lord of the Rings, one of the thing, reasons that I was um, really keen on working on Lord of the Rings was 
largely because it was a full-time job and it was a big gig. And also um, one of the things was I was on the verge of really stepping into embracing this independent role as a stunt coordinator. And one of the things I really felt strongly at the time that I needed people to go with me into that new venture. And so I went to Lord of the Rings as a stunt performer and became one of the guys on on Lord of the Rings and the stunt team. And it was um, George who asked me to step up into um, doing assisting roles or looking after one of the units, etc. And I, there was a lot of people who were starting in Lord of the Rings and, um, and I was one of the few who were probably experienced and I was put into a leadership role on my time at Lord of the Rings. Another guy I just want to really do a big shout out is Dan Berenger, who was George Marshall Ruge's assistant from the US. Uh, first class stunty and um, assistant cohort at that stage and um, the stunt coordinator's own right. He was a guy that I was able to um, just talk candidly about the business as well during our time on Lord of the Rings. Um, so during that time I was, um, when I went down to Lord of the Rings, I I also wanted to increase my days as a performer because I just found also that I wasn't really getting really many good gags. And um, although um, Lord of the Rings presented itself with pretty much the same type of work that I was used to with lots of um, action, sword and shield type movies, um, what I was able to do was... Um, really play to my size and to some of my strengths and and I really enjoyed that and um, it wasn't so martial arts heavy, it was more creature heavy and also uh, working in some of the environments that we did enabled us to do some really cool, um, cool gags. Um, one of the things also about going down to Lord of the Rings, it helped me establish some really good connections with people who were looking into staying in the business beyond Lord of the Rings. And these were the people that I guess helped me immediately establish myself as a stunt coordinator in those, uh, in those years immediately uh, after Lord of the Rings, like in the mid 2000s. And, um, and that was based in Wellington where I moved with my family. And, uh, and some of those people now are still working in the industry, people like Andrew Stilling, who is now fight coordinating on uh, the Amazon series, Lord of the Rings, uh, Wynnum Hammond, you know, people like Rodney Cook and um, Justin Carter, um, some really good stuntmen out there. And, um, and then of course, Tim Wong and Tim Mack and a whole bunch of people who, who I met during Lord of the Rings who were becoming, who were some of the mainstay of my, my teams in those days. Um, so since those early days I've been able to enjoy working abroad and overseas I um, some of my fellow um, cohorts and uh, not only as an assistant or as a cohort or, or as a performer um, I, I naturally I have a very strong background in water and my background in water was I guess really I do most things in the water but one of the things that I particularly excelled at was whitewater kayaking I represented New Zealand at the pre-worlds in 99 and I 
while working on vertical limits in 2000. I didn't have time to train for the New Zealand team, so I opted to represent Fiji, and um, which I went to the world champs. And that was a, a form of extreme freestyle kayaking where you do tricks on waves and and um, but alongside of that, um, you're able to really push some big, um, big rivers, I guess, for those who are a little bit of kayaking. Uh, it's graded on a level of one to six, six being impossible, and um, five, I guess, if you stuff up, the consequences of dying. Um, and, um, you know, there was a sport that I, uh, several people that I knew and paddled with uh, died in, uh, pushing the limits. And uh, that was something that I was doing alongside some climbing, especially rock and mountaineering. Uh, consequences of some of the things going wrong in all those sports were quite um, permanent, if not fatal. And um, so water by was an area that I was pushing a lot of. Um, I had a very high profile incident on Hooker Falls, which is a waterfall here in New Zealand. I paddled on the west coast of New Zealand and um, also paddling along these other extreme athletes and elites, best in the world, I was able to coordinate um, a show called um, The Lost World, which, uh, which meant that we were able to run a class six section, a section of a class six rapid here. Uh, in a polystyrene canoe, which I did with another uh, New Zealand team member. And um, we got beaten up, especially me. I ended up with a bit of meat coming out of my legs. And a few years later, we were able to do something again similar with another bunch of uh, canoeists running the Aratiti Rapids. And um, um, again, some, another person ended up in hospital for that, just because we were pushing the limits and we were doing firsts. And what I mean by first, we were able to do things that was, um, yes, we would do them in extreme sets, but to do it for film meant we were able to run these same um, rivers with no helmets and very minimal gear. So it looks authentic on camera. There's a bunch of guys who got lost. And so the short of it was we, um, we made a statement. Well, I made a statement, so I'm coordinating that, you know, these, um, we could do these big extreme rivers and what happened since then i was able to be contacted and consult and have some input into some of the big water jobs um uh, water is generally my experience with the water is that they um, um if you've spent time in a lot of water you develop a, a healthy respect for it and it doesn't matter what it is whether it's surf rivers um I'm been an islander. I've spent my childhood in mostly in the in the ocean, and um, I'm not a surfer as such. But I'm comfortable in most aspects of it, whether it's in a boat or underneath or on it. Uh, the actual sport of surfing, I suck at. I have a paddleboard, but I take a wave ski out or a kayak into the surf and feel kind of comfortable enough with it. I do run rivers, and. Um, and uh, the river skills has perhaps given me the, I guess, the edge that I needed to sort of help me in my film industry. A movie called River Wild came out years ago, and uh, I was really intrigued in the process of making that, and it was, it was a topic that I knew a lot about. And um, 
So I found myself when I was coordinating without a paddle, I realized that we were uh, pretty much doing things that um, hadn't been done before. And, um, and paid dividends um, big time in terms of other jobs I was able to ask me to be involved with. Uh, example, uh, the Hobbit later years, we I looked after the barrel sequence for the dwarves, uh, which running some uh, interesting bit of white water with uh, actors and stunt people in barrels uh, right through from the design stage. That was a lot of fun. Um, similar sort of risk management and risk taking was being able to work on some big tank work like with a water horse and also later in the movie called Adrift and recently I was asked to go and have some input on a show that that, um, that we pulled a pin on uh, over in the Dominican Republic and a whole bunch of other shows like Mysterious Island etc etc that had lots of um, water um, so I yeah so I've developed this reputation as been a bit of a a water expert for whatever that means and but I know what it does it's given me an edge in terms of having work uh, around water a lot and one thing it's also done is uh, my other background in outdoor adventure is has given me a lot of opportunities to work with um, uh, some other extreme athletes um, and also into the mountain environment which I am comfortable in <clears throat> so I really love um, pursue outdoor related work and location type work and I've been really lucky to do that but that doesn't mean I don't do studios I mean I've worked on some big um, studio shoots and um, I find them really challenging um, remaining motivated and staying motivated and and keeping up with a play because in many cases the you're only working as on part of a much bigger set, bigger set. So the piece that you're on is, you kind of have to imagine the rest of it, and um, um, so you can bend. Um, I think a lot, um, you can play around with sequences a lot better, and um, you're not too tied up with um, uh, real geography. You rely on filmmaking and skills more strongly and um, to be able to make different sets work. I think at least in the outdoor world, you are pretty much guided by what the environment gives you and um, often with light and other weather and also um, terrain. Uh, you often just work with um, the most um, logical way of um, dealing with that uh, piece of environment. Um, yeah, so that, those kind of jobs have been really my my testing ground and building ground. And so what I've found is um, those kind of jobs has really given me um, an ability to sort of adapt to all sorts, of, not only genres, but also different locations, different approaches to filmmaking. And um, I often find that um, a lot of enjoy the jobs that gives you lots of resources um, um, <clears throat> you can access them and also you can find new ideas and also um, certain jobs um, 
try to also bring in people who know how to use some of the uh, more equipment sometimes and uh, other pieces of technology that are just not that easy to always take to uh, some of these outdoor locations. Uh, a lot of my gear, just on that note, is light. It means that uh, they break apart so they can be traveled easily enough, either by helicopter or in some case you have to carry distance or by boat. So a lot of my gear can be broken up into in small pieces. So you, one thing you won't find is, is, um, is a ratchet or an air am ready to go. A lot of my gear is interchangeable, so things can be, um, uh, be more flexible with it as, the, as you go. Um, yeah, so I guess one of the questions that I've been asked over the time was, and a lot of my friends ask me is in the industry is, um, when do you know that you're going to be a stunt, when did you know that you're going to be a stunt coordinator and um, what did you do to make sure that you become that um well i think fear i think you just got to say um don't give yourself an out um i never did i was always certain that this is what i'm going to be doing and uh, most of the jobs that i took on particularly the ones that i um particular ones that I was asked to do, I wanted to get in with the cohorts and or whoever was in charge and just try and understand as much as I can about the project. You know, sometimes a lot of the cohorts in my early days were a little bit, um, felt a little bit trying to operate outside of my pay scale, but, you know, I was just inquisitive. I wanted to know, I wanted to understand why uh, they chose me for a start and also and also, um, you know, why they chose other people. Um, and also um, listening in on conversation on stuff that weren't related necessarily to stunts as such. Although it was interesting, it was, it was good to know what the stunt was and all those bits, but I was just fascinated to know why, um, um, why it had to be done that way when certain things... Um, seem really obvious and and one of the things I did as well was that I um, when I had a script I would um, I would read it once and the first idea that came to mind on how to do that stunt I would make option two and I would find a new creative way to do option a and in many cases so the low lower budget um, shoots we we always went with the easiest and always what was the, the plan B first because it had been a it been done before and I knew how it would be done and so they didn't really have the time to be spending into uh, playing with new ideas and um, but that was the good thing about doing bigger movies is that you were able to have an infrastructure and try and come up with concepts and develop one. Uh, just creative ways of getting the shots done and getting this done. Um, 
well, within reason, within the confines of what you have and the people that you have with you. So, you know, I knew I was going to be a coordinator right from the early days, and um, you know, I was, and also, and part of that as I was carrying, I guess, I, I just desired to be the best I can be, and, um, and that I wasn't going to settle for being average and whatever it is I do, and so, I don't know where that comes from, whether that's from my parents, but um, I know, for those of you who don't know, I, was, I grew up in a developing country, and also, um, so, and I was one of the lucky ones that was able to come and live in a, in a not developing country, so I, anything that I was, there was a hunger there that I would just pursue whatever it is I did to the highest and the best of my ability, and in stunting it to me, that was to become a stunt coordinator and a second unit director. And now that I'm here, I'm looking, I mean, I still have a lot of ambition and ways that I can push myself beyond what I'm doing right now. <clears throat> and, you know, podcast is part of that. Uh, the sharing of ideas and uh, having people, um, you know, giving people, um, I guess, a helping hand is, is a way to put it and um, reaching some of their goals. Um. <clears throat> Here in New Zealand, for those of you who don't know or unaware, we are we have set a rules that has uh, worked against us in terms of being like some of our peers in Australia and um, members in America and Europe, um, Canada perhaps, and uh, we cannot collectively bargain. Means we uh, we can't be unionised. It's a law, um, and the industry, the film industry, is made up of independent contractors, which just by law, that means we are ineligible to form a union because we're not employees of the company. So for us to negotiate um, collectively, uh, we are currently working with the government right now to enable contractors like ourselves to be able to collectively bargain so we can at least uh, find a way forward to being like our peers or some of us who are SAG members can, or MEAA members, etc., so that we can at least... Um, um, be part of the uh, back-end deals that are available in, like in some countries. Yeah, so as it stands, we weren't, we're not allowed to do that here in New Zealand. doesn't mean to say it's completely bad. What it does gives us is the ability to negotiate as individuals for those who can, but that, I think that's a luxury that's not available to everybody, especially when you're starting out. Uh, I've certainly done okay out of the business here uh, could I be doing better if I had some of the benefits that other countries have or uh, no doubt um, one thing I so one of the things I would encourage people especially in countries like mine is treat your treat your job your career as a business you know learn business skills uh, get yourself a decent accountant know what you can get away with know what you can't and um, you can make a lot of money very quickly and you gotta find ways to make sure that that money um, continues to make more money for you. So especially if you're not getting any more, uh, if the time that you spend on set that day that you work, that's all the money you're gonna get. So there are what help. find ways and find people to help you along your way into how to manage the what little you have at the start and also there will be developed habits and what you can do with more when you start getting more work. 
Um, <clears throat> so yeah, um, so for me, I had to sort of just find a, find, I guess, like I've said this a few times, just find out what the rules are and it um, wasn't easy. And, um, and then, but I could see the potential. So one of the things that happens here in New Zealand, I were, were able to negotiate with producers about what what the show may be worth to me as a person or to the people that I might ask on the show. And so, although, um, and so when it comes to hiring people, I essentially am speaking on behalf of the producer, asking people they would come and work for the show for, for this much. So much easier working overseas in some cases. Um, uh, just work with SAG members, you know, because SAG has minimum rates and um, and that works too. Uh, and it's much more simple and set contracts, etc., which makes life a bit easier. Um, so, yeah. I lost my train of thought now. I don't know where I was going. Um, I was, I note to that. I'm also the president of the Stunt Guild of New Zealand at the moment, which... So give me the opportunity just to be involved with um, with government and helping our industry, uh, the wider film industry, um, uh, have the ability to collectively bargain for. And of course, time will tell um, uh, when that moment comes and where we can do that. And I know that it's gonna it's gonna impact on our industry, but I know that right now in a globalized industry like ours, we. Our members particularly I want very much the the same as our peers overseas and also the fact that we are working side by side more and more as the years go by with our overseas peers. So we just want a sort of a more equal platform to um, have some of our peers from abroad uh, to be treated the same and get some of the same benefits. Um, knowing very well, it may even cost us some jobs here locally and, uh, but, um, I guess if you do what you always done, you always get what you always got. And um, that's, um, we'll just watch this space and see what happens. <clears throat> One of the things that's going on, so right now, and um, and I, I'm really careful as I touch on this, um, but I guess um, uh, this week what's happened is that we've had the American election. I don't really intend to use this um, um, platform for this particular channel to talk politics or down any one organization or the other, but one thing that is certain in my industry is that politics play a big part of it. We are shaped a lot by policies, but also I've had to learn to play the internal politics of the industry, uh, also within stunts. And um, as a stunt coordinator, you're uh, trying to juggle many balls. Um, you've got the needs of your team, you've got the needs of the director, you've got the needs of the producers, and you, most, most important, you've got the the creative need for the show, which you have to be, you've got to balance all these things out and politics, uh, you've got to recognize it for what it is. It is a skill that you can use. Um, it will help people uh, ID you. 
in terms of how you do the politics game. Uh, I'm not very good at it. I suck. Um, and I guess by sucking in politics, I I guess it's probably the payoff to that is that you, uh, you, you can probably say a few things that are probably offensive, but it does bring um, genuine people uh, to your door. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you have to kind of wear that with sensitivity because some people um, get offended. And um, but the only way you're going to find that out is if you just stay true to yourself and some people and learn to say sorry and get over it, whatever is right at that particular time. Uh, um, one of the things that is, I guess, probably been most important to me in terms of particularly my industry and trying to make sure you don't off you offend you don't offend unnecessarily, but also that you remain true is that you, I'm just really clear on why I'm here and to make a movie. Um, and, and also um, build good, and in the process, build good relationships with people and uh, try as much as I can not to get too political, but try and get people, know people on a one-to-one -one basis. And, um, and one of the practical ways of, um, uh, bridging relationship with people is um, even if you know, uh, don't be afraid to just go and ask somebody about what they think of something and also to uh, to ask them for their opinion on perhaps something that's going on. Uh, that way it just, um, it, I find that it gives away a little bit of, um, makes me a little bit vulnerable, but what it does, it gives people uh, a sense of uh, they have something to contribute to the way you do things. Um, um, I know that if the push comes to shove, I can, things can happen my way. I have the authority to do that, but I know at the same time, that's not the best way to win people over, especially when you really need people, you want to be able to rely on, on some of your um, fellow workers to uh, be able to come in. So, um, um, whether that's politics or whether it's just human relationships, I don't know. But uh, politics is inevitable um, in this uh, in the business. So, um, <clears throat> um, as a as a president of the stunt guild, I'm also I want people to get jobs, um, um, and I also want to make sure that jobs are. Um, I've been given to the right people. Not that that's my problem. I don't, we don't hire people, but I do want to to make sure that um, uh, that the country is open to bring in creative people, and sometimes maybe that sometimes at the expense expense of local uh, local coordinators. Um, but sometimes a coordinator might miss out, but. 20 or 30 other stunt people will benefit from working on this show. So it's a completely a balancing act in terms of um, what you support and what you don't support. Uh, you want the best for your people. Um, but you also want the best for your film community and um, it's beneficial to everybody. Um, before we carry on, it's uh, nearly midnight here. Um, I've had a few beers today, uh, not tonight. Uh, and that has been hot and um, summer's here and um, life's good.
probably one of the most um, common things I've been asked over the time is, you know, how about uh, my family life and um, my wife Tanya and I have been married what, nearly 25 years and how come we, we've made it work. Um, I'll probably talk about that another time, but um, um, uh, in another podcast. But I think for now, I just kind of need to say that, you know, I don't really, you know, talk about the business, but that is kind of what the the part of it, it is tough. Uh, but in saying that as well, I married my best friend. And uh, that is uh, probably the shortest answer as I can give it. You know, we've been able to... Uh, journey in this industry together as well as her, her her career and as well as the common goal of raising a family and um, wanting the best for each other and sometimes the process is um, tricky but um, you know and we're still in it and, uh, and in it for, for life so, um, but yeah, and in time we maybe can elaborate that and maybe I can get Tanya to come and talk a little bit about his side, which I'll be nervous about. Yeah. So I just want to, last week I spoke with Tony and Tony Marsh, a uh, really great conversation I had with Tony. Um, uh, it's not often that you, in this business, where you get people to talk so openly about uh, the, not only their belief system, but I think we, everybody believes in something. Um, uh, Tony, um, uh, the conversation I had with him is no different from the conversation I would have with him on set. It's very open. Also, um, there are words in there that are, I guess could be labeled as jargon, but they know that they're very real to him. And, um, and I'm hoping that, um, um, you know, and I, I remember too praying on job when we were about to, Ask these three stunt guys to actually. The, I was with one of the classics rapids that these guys were going into on without a paddle, and I were just because they're all so young and they were so green when it came to the film industry, but they were all so capable. Just remember going down. I said, "Guys, do you think we should pray?" And um, and it didn't seem unnatural at the time because I know I've been on some very extreme uh, adventure adventures and we're about to do something really dangerous and you know everybody just has a way of dealing with it you know your checks and also some people can do safety talks involve smoking a joint and kind of that's part of their process and some go and meditate and and that day we we prayed and uh, it just kind of felt right and um not everything when according to plan necessarily in terms of um, but the end product on the movie was off the scale it was amazing um uh, everybody's still working and they came back to do much more uh amazing stunts afterwards <coughs> since um just before um before tony i spoke um for a couple of words with my friend Shane Rungi as well. Shane Rungi, for those of you who don't know, is an amazing uh, creature performer, actor, an amazing athlete, stands at six foot five. And um, he laughs at my jokes, which is great. Um, really um, 
brilliant individual who again who has found a place in the industry using um his body and his size to really get him into opportunities that um that was um not quite what he was thought he was training for at drama school but you know thanks to lord of the rings it um it opened up so many doorways for him i'm just going to plug in my laptop while i'm sitting here in case you get cut out wait one feedback about that the first episode with Shane Rangi that I did and uh, mainly because we had such a a terrible time trying to listen to each other and my dodgy internet coverage and, uh, and on Zoom. Um, so for those of you who don't know, so what I do, I use um, I use Zoom to talk to my um, guests and record it, go through iTunes and upload it to Anchor and as my landing platform and then from that puts it out to Spotify and Apple and Google and a whole bunch of other platforms that are out there and um, my audience at the moment is largely 47% 48% male female and, um, and there's a whole lot of people in there who don't not in either but so uh, but anyway that's kind of the rough shape of my audience so it's split 50 50 so i just want to say thanks for those of you who are listening um and um spotify and apple are the two big ones and uh anchor coming in third so there you go and a whole bunch of other google does pretty well i will be launching to youtube it was meant to happen sooner than here like what i mean by that last month but i've decided just to hold off and part of that our my facility for working from didn't quite work out we are um, so we are building a i guess you could say a podcast room into our current house uh, that we're building at the moment and uh, so uh, putting stuff up on YouTube will just have to wait a little bit longer. And what the plan is there is to put all our episodes on YouTube. So because uh, so, a lot of people are listening on YouTube and also we're able to share some of the adventures and some of the things that um, in our YouTube channel as a result as well. Um, yeah, so just keep it, I'll keep you posted on that. Um, so another person just before... Um, before Shane Rangi was I, um, oh, sorry, my apologies. Um, before Tony was Laurie O'Connell. Uh, Laurie is a um, Canadian stunt woman. One of the things I really loved about uh, her was that just the fact that she could have been anything and she fell into the business like so many people I know and she's thriving in it. Um, and also not one who is, um, um, you know, there's a, I think she, use her Facebook and other things to promote herself in her career, which is wonderful. But also one of the things I really like about Laurie was just the fact that she's so, um, um, she's your everyday person who came into the business and is doing it and unpretentiously. Um, stunt work is so diverse now. It's not just about um, what you see with the Marvel stunt doubles. I think so it's a very narrow way of looking at the business. There's so many things you can do in this um, 
if it's all about just car crashes and burns and stuff like that, awesome. But I can tell you this, you'll get tired of it. And all this other, there's so much diverse stuff that falls into our lap and category as stunt people. Um, Stuart Williamson's from South Africa, a really amazing guy who's um, only been in the business really less than 10 years. And uh, again, about seven and is killing it. And I guess that is the epitome of those who kind of found their place at the right time, coming in with a bit of life experience behind you and getting into the business and using those skills of yours to um, just go out there and absolutely nail it. Uh, and of course, the volume of work that he's had in a very short time means that he's on the eyeline of a lot of other people like myself who are watching him and um, and one day we'll, you know, he's going to progress up the coordinating um, ladder very quickly. Um, I, Barry Duffield was really a guy that um, who I worked with as a stuntman, but he was always going to be an actor. And it was really cool to just talk with him and uh, let him share his ideas. And I've, look, I've been strategic about some of my guests, and um, I've, I have so many people who are deemed very successful in this business that I've grown up with, and they've got uh, high-profile names, and they will come on board in time. Uh, but I really wanted just to make sure that our audience uh, is here for the right reason for you to learn. For those of you who are coming into the business or, or want to stay in the business and um, um, there's so much um, information available and people with, um, I guess, with the intelligentsia to uh, do the specific things talk about and deal with specific things about stunts and I want to be I want to be extra careful that I don't tell you too much about how to do the business uh, the how to actually prepare for a fire burn uh, because uh, I think the in our business I think that's best done in a group of one-to-one -one people uh, with people around you I mean there'll be you'll get uh, whiffs of information on how to do certain stunts from this podcast, but I really want to encourage people to get a bunch of people and talk about it and then uh, share from your experiences because um, the one of the things that's really different about our department is that uh, every rig or every thing that we manufacture or do an idea at the end of the day, it has to be done by a person and, um, the person still has to be able to give it life. Uh, it's unlike special effects where you can sometimes put a car on the end of a ratchet and flip it. Uh, you can put a dummy in it. Uh, but the moment the person drives that car, it's a very different uh, dynamic. And um, so, um, yeah, I really just want to be responsible and make sure that we are... Uh, um, offering strategies, offering ideas and um, some ways of doing things to get you further down the business. But when it comes to the technical aspects, uh, we'll just be very, um, what's the word, just be very um, careful about how we do that because we just don't want people just thinking they've seen it on YouTube without volume and without any sense of accountability to anybody else, go out there and try something. And next thing we know, it's like, oh, he learned that off us. Um, but the other side of me don't actually really care because, you know, 
we'll do what we do and we trust that we're speaking to a bunch of intelligent people who um you know we're speaking to stunt people and um um who have a brain and um who's got a bit of wisdom as well now just before um barry i spoke to my good friend barry, uh, brett chan uh, stunt coordinator um uh, I think Brett really was one of the first people that I guess was able to um, formalize some things I felt when I was in the business. You know, I thought I was weird to be thinking about how people were, being, were developing and um, thinking about um, things like um, the team, the importance of storytelling and all those things and um, the dynamics of bringing people together and the right. Uh, empowering people with information and um which is really important to me and uh right throughout my career and it was really neat that one day i was when i was talking to brett chan uh that he, we were driven very similarly and uh and it was refreshing to meet another person who was an upcoming coordinator to to have a very similar drive like that that it wasn't yes we really value the the kick-ass do the big stunts part, but we also really wanted to make sure that people walk away better, not only as stunt performers and as stunt coordinators, but just as people. So we're building leaders throughout. And I guess that's one of the key drives of my career is that I want to be surrounded by people who are future leaders and who are, who are leaders now. And um, there's not enough of us who are in the business as leaders. You know, there's a lot of people who are there to do the stuff, but you can still uh, approach it from a as a leader. And the way I sort of would say to people is that um, listen as if you listen to anything or as if you're going to teach it one day, if you're going to share that information on. So listen with that in mind. And I think it's, um, for me, that's really helped me a lot when I'm in a new place, when I go into a meeting, when I'm reading a script, how do I explain this to other people? And uh, <clears throat> and who am I explaining to? So um, yeah, and well, Brett Chan was one of those people that I felt that I wasn't alone in the way I was processing, the way I operated. Prior to Brett Chan, of course, was Rob McKenzie, who is currently on our Stunt Guild of New Zealand. <coughs> what was going on at the time was that there uh, was a lot of people who were. Um, um, had a few conversations with people who dealing with taxes and paying your bi-monthly, six-monthly tax bills and um, and also the, the wage subsidy that was being provided by our government and all those things and uh, and how some people so needed it and then there's other people who felt they or they would want it but felt they didn't need it but were stepping up and saying you know they're not going to claim the wage subsidy and that was just really good to just have somebody like rob um, talk about how didn't go into details how his background as a banker and has helped him navigate his way through the tricky earnings of the industry uh, very relevant topic and uh, one that we'll continue to do so with um, maybe one day we'll find somebody who can give tips on investment. 
how to make the most of what you're earning. Uh, prior to that, was, I spoke to Talana Moana Nakora, an Australian stuntwoman who is of Maori descent from New Zealand. Now, Talana was actually the very first guest I spoke to. And uh, at the very start of me putting the podcast together, um, didn't feel it was a really great topic. And I just felt that at that time it was um, the Black Lives Matter movement was very loud. It was very noisy and I didn't want to really play into it with my podcast. And uh, especially in terms of some of the tone that we spoke to, I didn't want to feed into that at that point, but really stay that was relevant because I just didn't want it to be lost also in a wave of politics. That's something that I'll just die with it. I mean, um, never black enough, not being white enough. Uh, and this industry is, um, for, for those of us in the stunt business who want to be doubles, is an issue that will never go away for everybody. Uh, right now, as a lot of action films are happening out there with um, particularly people of colour, so some of our Caucasian um, our white brothers and sisters are probably going to be on the, you know, not being prioritised in some of the roles. But, um, you know, I think there's a pendulum in certain sectors of the game, uh, probably swinging uh, a certain direction and then it's going to find a resting point again. I'm interested to know where... Uh, the box office um, response to it, uh, but it'll just watch and we'll just watch and see what goes on there. But I do know that um, right now a lot of our um, people of color, particularly those who are mixed ethnic ethnicities, are especially where I am, are getting a lot of opportunities right now. That um, at uh, and it's. I have to admit the ones that I'm tied up a lot, a lot of it is funded by uh, on grants, a conditional to some of that funding. So uh, we'll watch that space. Uh, but I also know that uh, some of the bigger studio shows who are profit-driven um, are, are taking a lot of financial risks with, um, you know, uh, breaking out into um, more diverse casting and... Um, so, you know, the box office will, will determine how successful this is. But uh, I have to say that I'm really pleased for a lot of people who are getting opportunities. Uh, and I'm also really am impressed with the graciousness of some of our, uh, and understanding of some of our, of a lot, well, everybody I know of our Caucasian white um, stunt performers and right across the board to actors as well. Um, doesn't mean they're out, it's just everybody's just, Seems like there's more opportunities right now. So yeah, Talena Moana Nakora. Now prior to that, uh, Talena Moana Nakora, I my guess was uh, Jace Lee, a guy that uh, into jujitsu, who's got um, love the fact that he holds his opinions and not afraid to say it, and uh, just a guy I um, yeah uh, I really like and um, uh, my kind of guy. Um, Jace Lee, another one, Jace, Jason Lee and Jace Lee, uh, a fellow Hertz member who's uh, a young stuntman, late 20s, uh, very relevant for those of you young people out there who are listening, um, have a listen to him, he's into tricking, 
and um, currently um, lead double on an upcoming TV series. Um, one of my most um, popular episodes has been with um, Dana Grant, a well-known stunt woman, and um, again, she's she's probably the most high-profile of all my guests, uh, having been on other podcasts. But Dana is um, one that I I've known for twenty or so years, and um, the funny thing is, you know, I, I like the way that she. Um, she's easy to read what you see is what you get with Dana and uh, it was really cool that I was able to have her as a guest and uh, one that I'll continue to have uh, in the future um, Alexander Holloway is another one who is um, is not a recognised stuntman but the fact that he tried to get into it but he's also running a very successful uh, stage combat school um, and sometimes uh, it's probably not by his choosing that he's very that side of the business has taken off and I'm sure that uh, there was a reason that Alexander made contact and wanted to be a stunty uh, but in saying that I, the last project I've just done a few weeks ago you I see his name on the on the cast board and I know that the his ability to do action uh, has been taken into account for that role Jason Day um, ex-UFC fighter uh, finishing off the what's left to shoot of um, Snow Queen uh, TV series. Uh, again, only been in the business less than ten years, and it's um, in the coordinating pool. Peter Dillon, a uh, um, very popular episode, um, talks heavily a lot about just starting. Don't worry about. Don't overthink it. Just start whatever it is you're trying to do, whether you're stepping into coordinating or being a stunt person or even stepping away because you find something new, don't be afraid just to do it. Just start. It'll be the, and by starting, opportunities will happen. Ravi Narayan, um, a very um, guy I said in my introduction to his episode, which is one I don't really understand, but I feel like I'm, I do, I'm wiser to it now and uh, he puts a lot on the line and uh, always trying something and a very gifted uh, individual. I really enjoyed talking to him and um, it's the longest him and I have probably ever spoken and also to to ask him some really personal questions about what motivates him was really cool and uh, yeah, really top man. And of course, Willie Ying, my a guy that perhaps I've mentored and um, he attributes uh, uh, my influence on his uh, career and the one that I feel like I, I don't really deserve, but he does it. And um, a guy is very open and, um, you know, Willie's one of those guys that I think a lot of people kind of looked at with suspicion or whether he's, too, getting too big for his boots so quickly but you know what there's uh there was a drive there and there was also somebody who understands his world and uh and what he can do within it um so um that was one of the longest lo early conversations it was quite long but uh, what i would recommend for people is to go and listen to that especially uh in the second half uh where willie 
turns the table on me and starts to ask me lots of questions and I was able to answer it um, as a and he was asking on behalf of his um, of some of his friends who follows him and also the people that he coordinates and prior to that uh, of course um, uh, I had uh, uh, Ron Smurenberg, um Life is Action over there in Thailand and um, a great way to sort of kick off the, the podcast and also Vanessa Cater, six years there and now in, um, in the States uh, making a big step to go over and it was really cool and I'd, very soon also I want to be talking to Mr. Sala Baker, a friend of mine who's been in LA now for 20 years, somebody who's really found success and uh, and whether it's, I'd love to talk to him about that and just, um, and I went there with so, with something in mind, but, you know, other things happened and uh, he's doing it and uh, it'd be good to just touch base and understand LA, understand what he's doing and, uh, you know, the challenges of it. And um, yeah, it's um, a guy who's, knows what success is and he knows what um, it is to uh, uh, to try um, really cool conversation so Salah Baker I'm looking forward to having him as a guest very soon um, some other guests there and we've got some VFX artists I've also got um, um, second year directors um, I'm going to be talking to one of my favourite ADs to uh, talk about perspective on stunts from an AD point of view. I've got a few producer friends who wants to share their perspective on also um, those of you who are upcoming coordinators mind of a, what a producer is looking at. And also uh, very soon too, one of my director friends will have an interview to and talk about one of the movies that we work together and I'll try and fill you in on some of the things that happen behind the scenes and um, the process to actually turning a script into a movie from a director's point of view and our role coming in as a stunt team. Uh, many more to come. Um, I want to say thanks for listening and um, slightly different this week um, with uh, American Elections doing what it's doing. And I uh, just want to say to my American listeners and friends, um, we want you to do well. Because uh, when you do well, we do well. And... Um, Yes, um, and that's all I have to say. We want America to do well, and uh, you're a great country. And um, the um, there is the American dream, and uh, and we share in it. Uh, yep, that's good for now. And um, uh, yeah, like I was saying, doing it differently uh, this week, and. Uh, Next week, we'll um, introduce our next guest and uh, look forward to um, talking to you again in about 15 to 20 episodes time. Uh, also, by the way, please send me an email or on Messenger, Augie Davis, if we're not friends. Uh, bring me up and, um, and just ask me a question. And if not, um, Say hi and uh, listen and recommend this to some of your friends as well. Uh, let me know what topics we can continue to talk about. Um, I've got the, the shape of the first 25 and after that we can be, um, we'll start uh, following some of you up. And also don't be afraid to offer yourself up as a guest. 
um, on my on my podcast. Um, you have a story, and uh, don't underestimate what you know and what you have. And sometimes just coming on a podcast like this, you'll be surprised what you're able to share and what other people can benefit from your from your story. Um, it's also a good way to really validate your your time in business. Uh, somebody who who's not going to be surprised or look at you sideways or whatever. Well, maybe I will. That's because because I just sometimes I just can be a dick. But anyway, hope you're well. Uh, take care and peace, love out. We go.